Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Dana's got a whole crew. Look at this group of people back here. This is, uh, yeah. Okay. I have know about those people. They're great people. Well, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we have a uh, Mother's Day tribute. If you're watching from home, you'll be able to see it. Good morning. If you're watching from home or whenever, uh, say hi, and then Brandon will communicate with you. It's nice to know that you're there, and we love you, and we support you. Uh, just as much as if you were in the room. So whether you're way over in the UK, Tia, we say good morning to you, um, or in Alaska or Mexico, wherever you might be, we're glad you, that you're, you've tuned in. So Dana Buck has written another story, believe it or not. Uh, he writes these incredible stories. Some of them are just short and cute. Some of them are long and drawn out, but still cute and still cute. Um, and so he has written another story about moms. Um, it is edited by uh, Brandon Blue, and his, the name of his little thing is Beneath Blue Skies Productions. Um, and the music, so I just want, to pay attention to, want us to pay attention to the music behind this poem today. It's not just, normally he just finds canned music online, it's free. But this is actually produced, this music is uh, one of our kids in our youth group and if you lined up all the kids in our youth group, you'd probably not pick out, hey, this guy plays the keyboard, and he normally does, like, techno stuff. Um, but he did all the music behind it, so it's really precious. And then there's a bunch of voices you'll probably recognize uh, this morning. So we want to go ahead and listen to a Mother's Day tribute. A Mother's Day Tribute. A So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 31, verse 30. Based on the woman of excellent character found in Proverbs chapter 31, this poem beautifully honors mothers on their special day. A Mother's Day Tribute. It's Mother's Day, a time to celebrate when it arrives, the women who like precious heirlooms so enrich our lives. With this, we bless the mothers and this day that's named for you, that seeks to honor who you are and everything you do. The Bible's book of Proverbs, found in chapter 31, classically illuminates the tribute here begun. So, let us share the thoughts and words that God himself inspired, the definition of a woman honored and admired. A woman of great character, what man is thusly blessed? Her worth exceeds the sparkling gems laid in a treasure chest. Inspiring trust and confidence, a prize that's rare yet rife. Honor, grace, and love define her and define her life. Laboring with eager hands, consistent morning star, like a vessel bearing precious cargo from afar. All her household prospers, they are filled, then filled again. None denied, passed over. Be they strangers, be they friends. 
Judgment tempers action. Weighed decisions, wise and shrewd. Words alive and vigorous that shelter and include. Her lamp repels the darkness, draws the weary towards the light, not dimmed by falling shadows, nor extinguished by the night. Open arms that beckon as inadequacy flees, extended to the ones that Jesus called the least of these. She's clothed in strength and dignity, a raiment fairly won, bears tomorrow joyfully, laughs at the days to come. Wisdom ever faithful, the instruction on her tongue, offered to the seeking, the uncertain, and the young. Proficient is her household, energetic and well-led. Her drink is not indifference, nor idleness her bread. Her children rise and bless her, and her husband offers praise, for she instills great confidence, inspiring their days. Beauty may be fleeting, also charm a twisted cord, but worthy is the woman, true and faithful to the Lord. May her rewards be many, reap from heaven's great reserves, and flowing from the God she loves, the honor she deserves. Words may paint a picture of a mother or a wife, and today we celebrate the ones who bring these words to life. While also recognizing it's not just biology that makes a mom a mom, it's the thing you choose to be. So here's to every woman who's resolved to play that part through the offering of life as well as offering their heart. Of all the sacred giftings you embody from above, know that in his name we're most thankful for your love. Well done. Well done. Tony, remind, remind me, I have something for you after this. It's a, it's a great line. It's a great one-liner, just for you. Thank you. Um, I guess one of the lines that really stood out to me in that is, it's not just biology that makes a mom a mom. It's what you choose to do and choose to be. And uh, I know that this day stirs up a lot in many um, women. And um, I just want to say that we celebrate you. I'm here at this church. Women, we celebrate you. And we thank you for choosing to love us. That's a big love. So thank you for doing that. If we could um, think about the role of um, moms, what are some of the things that, what, what are some of the million things they do on a daily basis? Okay. Yes, they do. What else? What was that? They love, good. They care for. Okay, they do. Okay, yes. Organize. Okay, Fiona, you got three. Now you're. We cut you off. Okay. She's one of my youth kids, so we're good. We are good, right? Okay, thumbs up. Okay, yes. What else? What else? 
All day stock band-aids, yeah. Yes? Mothers pray, yes. Amen. I hope mothers pray. Yeah. Don't get between a mama and her little ones. Okay. Yeah. What else? Anybody else? Grace, you did you raise your hand? Okay. Oh, they're the planners. Yes. Thank you, moms, for planning. Any others? How about peacemakers? Now, if you're if you grew up in a home and there's just one of you. Um, and there's just one. That's what happened in my home growing up. There wasn't much peacemaking in my home because it was just the one. But what if you had four? Um, what if you had more than four? Yeah, peacemakers. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. We're looking at the Beatitudes, the eight promises of God to us. And we're going to read them all. We're going to start in verse 3 and read through verse 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what? Before we we proceed in reading his word, I don't know about you, this week has been a distracting week. Is it just me? Raise your hand if it's been a distracting week for you. A lot of squirrels running all over the place. And our eyes are just going to these squirrels. So what I want us to do is I want us to stop and and pray before we read his word and that we would be able to focus in this morning and that we'd be able to settle in this morning. Because I believe that peacemakers that we're going to talk about this morning, it's not just putting out fires and making people get along. We're going to be talking about eternal peacemakers. We're going to be talking about the ministry of reconciliation today. And how we as believers in Christ are supposed to be the ones who introduce those who don't know Jesus yet. We're supposed to introduce them and be peacemakers between God and his created ones. And it's so easy for us to be distracted. And so let's settle in. And let's take a deep breath. And Lord, just for the next moments, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would show us the importance of what it means to be a peacemaker, that people's eternities literally are at stake. Help us to be ones that introduce those who don't know you to you. Help us to be focused this morning. I pray that your word would speak to us, that it would jump off the pages to us, that it would penetrate the depths of our hearts, and that what Ashley prayed earlier, God, that it would, that the roots of whatever might be in our hearts that are not good would be taken out and be replaced by the foundations of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, and blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil 
against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Speaking of children, I was uh, looking through uh, this morning, just, just some random stuff, and a trivia question popped up. According to Guinness Book of World Records, what is the most amount of children that one woman gave birth to? And it gave you four choices. And I'm going to try not to look up to the left, because I heard if I look up to the left when you're doing that, you're not telling the truth, so I'm going to stare right at you. Okay. Here's your four choices. 29, 39, 59, 69. And some of you are like, <laughs> that's a lot. Okay, 29, 39, 49, 69. We're going to do a vote. Raise your hand, 29. Yep, that's what I said. 39, raise your hand. Oh, there's, yeah. Okay, 59, raise your hand. Okay. 69, raise your hand. 69 kids. Now, I should have wrote this down, but I didn't. But she had like multiple, like 17 uh, twins. Well, there's 34 right there. But then she had multiple triplets. And then multiple quadruplets. And just do the math, that's 69. That's crazy. All right, this is back in the 1800s, so... They knew how to count in the 1800s. Let's give them the credit. Okay. Well, my grandma, um, Doria, which is my dad's mom, I never met her. She passed away in 1966. I was born in 65. Um, never met her. But she had 13 kids. And uh, she was a peacemaker. When her youngest one was born, just a few late years after that, she became a widow. So she raised these 13 pretty much on her own. She had to be a peacemaker. And my dad would tell stories. My dad actually, today is the day he's been gone for 11 years. It's hard to believe he passed away on Mother's Day 11 years ago. But my dad would tell these stories about his mom. My dad loved his mom. He was, out of the 13, he was the mama's boy. And he would, when he was in the Navy, he would hitchhike from... Virginia, back home to New Hampshire on the weekend so he could spend time with mom. And he would tell us these stories about how his mom would deal with 13 kids when they weren't getting along. And this is one of the things that she would do. She would put them on timeout. I'm like, okay, we do that. But if they were fighting, if Ramil and Ishmael were fighting, they never do, ever, because they're brothers who love one another. They're in the room. That's why I'm pointing them out. Okay? Bakhtiar is like, Okay? She would do the timeout, a silent timeout, but they would do it together. So you're on timeout. You're on timeout. You sit right here together, silently, and you hold each other's hand. Oh, my dad hated that. Hated it. But then after the timeout, 
She would make them stand up, and she would make them hug each other. She was a peacemaker. And as children of God, that is one of our primary responsibilities. We are supposed to be peacemakers. And not just surfaces type of peace. Like, hey, can we just all get along? No, this, we're talking about eternal peace. We're talking about a peace that changes people's destiny. Eternal destiny. I read a great quote this week from Grand Canyon University. There's a blog that they have, and it's, Peacemaking is not being nice. Peacemaking may be kind, and as believers we know it's going to be kind because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, right? And we have the fruit of the Spirit, and kindness, believe it or not, is in there. Look it up, Galatians 5, all right? Peacemaking says it demands that we step into conflict. Peacemakers in the Bible would step in between two warring parties, and the peacemakers, they initiate reconciliation when others have wronged them. The peacemaker is quick to repent when they have wronged others. What is a peacemaker? Well, a peacemaker is humble. Peacemakers are quick to repent when they have crossed the line. And what I love, I'm going to go back here. What I love about this statement is sentence number two. It demands that we step into conflict. I don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. But as believers in Christ, we need to step into conflict. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. And so we step into that conflict, and we help reconcile people back to God. It's a must for us. Peacemakers are humble. They repent when they've crossed the line. Peacemakers step into conflict. And peacemakers are children of God. I love that. Peacemakers are children of God. You ever hear the phrase, like father, like son? That actually was shortened. Moms, you got ripped off. For some reason, the, the tail end of that, back in the 1700s, they used to say this all the time. It's actually like fathers, like sons, like mothers, like daughters. Sounds good. It's kind of encouraging. Oh, like father, like son. It sounds kind of cool. Oh, my son's going to be just like me. Oh, now it sounds really scary. <laughs> now I feel accountable. I would just say moms and dads, our children are watching us. Yes, I understand that our children have their own free will and they may go rogue no matter what we do. So let me just say this. So no matter what we do as moms and dads, Proverbs 22.6, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Moms and dads, don't give up on your kids. They might have gone rogue. And what Tammy said earlier, what do, what do moms do? And I'm just going to add, it's Father's Day next month, so I'm going to clump you all in together, moms and dads. You should pray for your kids. I'm going to go rogue here for a moment. And when you pray, you shouldn't just pray, God, I want them to have a nice house. God, I want them to have the white picket fence and the really cool car in the driveway. But we should pray as, God, I want them to know you. And the hardest prayer as a mom and dad is to pray the prayer, God, I want them to know you no matter what. 
Because some of our kids are going to go rogue, and they're going to do what they want to do. And sometimes they're going to have to hit the wall or hit the floor before they look up or look around and see that there is a God who does love them, the God that we've been sharing with them and telling them, this is the way you should go. You should follow Jesus. He's the only one that will give you true peace in your heart. And our hope and the Proverbs, what Solomon wrote, is that when they're old someday, they'll remember all the things that you've poured into them. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your kids. They're going to they're gonna do exactly what they see us do. Again, a little scary. The things we do and who we are, our children will do and our children will be. Way back in the day, there's a group called um, Basic Youth. And it was a guy who would go around the country teaching. And, and there's a lot of stuff that happened with that. But there was one thing I remember him saying when I was a youth and I was going through, and, and I heard him say, he basically said that. The things that we do as moms and dads, as adults, our kids will do multiplied. So, And it's usually not the good things that we do, Right? It's usually they will multiply the things that we don't do very well. They'll have our bad attitudes. Anybody see that in our kids? They'll say stuff that like, whoa, that little guy or little girl shouldn't be saying that word. Especially words that are spelled very simply with only four letters. They pick up on everything that we do, especially our attitudes. Now, there is a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. And here's the definition. This website, it's ChristianPost.com, says there is a mammoth difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers simply want to keep the peace and disguise the true differences with fake unity. It's kind of what Ashley was talking about during worship. Peacekeepers just pluck off the top and throw some bark on it. Looks good. And the next spring, it's, they're back. I mean, our bank over here, right behind the, right here, I cannot tell you how many hours we have into that. We can't get grass to grow where it's supposed to grow, but the grass is growing great right here on our bark. It's insane. Miranda, last year, I remember when she, on our work day, they dug down four inches, Miranda and Ken and several others, and they hauled all that dirt off. And we're thinking, now we're fresh, and we put all kinds of stuff on it. It is back even stronger this year. And the thistles, Ken, what are we doing with these thistles? I dug those all out last year, I thought. Yeah, it's crazy. We have to get to the root. So peacekeepers simply want to keep peace and disguise true differences with fake unity, while true peacemakers act to unify people around a common mission. And as believers in Christ, we are called to be peacemakers between God and humanity. After all, we're saved. Someone told us about Jesus. We received and accepted and will walk with him now. We should want others to have the same thing we have. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking about peacemakers. But what kind of peace are these peacemakers bringing to the table? Again, it's not a surface shallow agreement, but we're talking about a forever peace. Back when I was in... Um, junior high and high school, 
the big thing was to go to Payless Drugs. I don't even think they have, I mean, that sounds really bad now if you say Payless Drugs, what kind of place store is that? That was the store that you went to. That was the drugstore in the Northwest. There wasn't very many drugstores. I mean, right here, right, we have them all over the place now, every corner you go to. And they had a section in the back of the store that had posters. Anybody tracking with me here? So we'd put posters on our wall. Yeah, we had posters of everything. I'm just going to put it that way. Okay. I know some of what you, some of you guys are thinking. We're not, we're not going to go there. Um, but I did have a poster on my wall because there used to be a little Christian bookstore down in Kent. And I would go down to there and I would buy their posters. And I had a poster and it was my favorite color is purple. So it, it was purpley and black and it was really cool. I loved it. And this is what it said on that poster. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. Big difference, right? If you read it, it's a big difference. If we don't have God in our lives, we have no peace. But if we really know him, then we will know this peace. And what kind of peace are we talking about? It's a peace that Jesus was able to go to the cross with this type of peace. And right before he did, he tells his disciples, Peace I give you. And it's not a peace that the world offers, the surface, circumstantial type of peace. It's an eternal depth. It's deep. That's the type of peace that he gives us when we know him. It's the type of peace that Jesus needed to go to the cross. Did Jesus want to go to the cross? No, we know that because just the night before, he, it was, he was so stressed out. He actually sweat blood, which is a medical condition that happens. And his prayer is recorded, and he was saying, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, can you please make that happen? And after he prayed for a while, he understood that there is no other way. So the type of peace we're talking about is a forever peace. It's God's peace. In the Old Testament, He's described as Jehovah Shalom, meaning the Lord is our peace. Now, what does shalom mean? Well, yes, it means peace. It also means harmony. Like this morning when Ashley was singing and you could hear harmony voices. Fiona was up here singing harmony, but you could hear harmony. It's, it's, it just sounds sweet. It's wholeness. Shalom is completeness. And it's, there's a tranquility that the storm has just ended and it's silent and it's quiet. That's the type of peace. And God's desire is for us to know him and to know true peace. In the very beginning, God made us. He breathed life into us. He set us in this incredible place. And I'm saying us because... We are the human race. Adam and Eve represented us, and we give them bad raps, like, oh, they, they shouldn't have done what they did. Bad Adam. Bad Eve. But bad Adam, because you're standing right there, Adam. We would have all done the same. They were just our representatives. God placed them in a perfect place. In fact, he placed them in a place called paradise. And the word he used for paradise there is Eden. What a beautiful name, Eden. 
we have a granddaughter coming, and they've already named her Paradise, but actually they're going to call her Eden, and you're watching from home. God placed us in a perfect place, gave us responsibility. Do you realize that work showed up even before sin showed up? We're created to work. We're created to do. We're created to be productive. And then we messed it up. And this peace and tranquility that they experienced, this wholeness that they experienced, was absolutely gone. I mean, paradise was such a cool place that God would come and walk with them at that perfect time slot of the day. And the Bible describes it as the cool of the day, which like right now, it's probably around 7.30 at night. We were hanging out at uh, Two Sisters Goodness. It's a little restaurant out in our neighborhood, out in Wilkeson. Um, two of the girls, the two sisters actually were, I was their youth pastor way back in the 90s. And um, they had some live music, and we, were, we just went and wanted to listen to my live music. It was folk music with a guy and his guitar, a really long beard, Mitch, you'd be proud, and a guy playing cello. It was the oddest connection, but it was the coolest. We loved it. It was just so fun, just really neat. And it was about 7.20, and I looked over at Heather, and I said, this is the perfect time of day. There was a slight, slight breeze, and it just you could just smell it. You smell spring? You guys know what I'm talking about? You could just like smell it, and you're like, wow, this is nice. This is when God would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And we know that story. In fact, in fact when that's written that God would come and walk with them. That's right after they had messed up. And God comes and has conversation with them and didn't change God's love for them. But there was now a separation between us and God. I mean, I get it. There are times where I feel far away from him. And I am literally just running off my instrument. As a pilot, there's times where you can't see. It doesn't feel right. You have to trust your instruments. Tony, am I close? Close. Talk to Tony afterwards. He's a pilot. So there's times where I don't feel that very close. And that's because of the brokenness that started way back and that's always been there. But I trust God's word. And God says that he loves us. God's word says that he is jealous for us. That he made us in his image. That he wants relationship with us. He wants us to have this shalom type of peace. Jesus is the bringer of peace. And because he is the bringer of peace, you know, the Bible describes Jesus. And it's normally something that we talk about during Christmas it's the passage from Isaiah that he is the Prince of Peace, that he's the wonderful Counselor, that he's the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and he is the Prince of? He's the Prince of? Just making sure you're still with me. He's the Prince of Peace. Jesus knows what it means to be a man of peace and to be right with God, right? And so my question for us I would say before we even step in to, for me to talk to believers in the room and online is, do you know this Prince of Peace? And maybe you've been coming to church and hanging out and you've been 
know, listening and you know about Jesus. I was talking to somebody recently. They know all about Jesus. They know more about Jesus than I know Jesus. And I'm not judging them, but I don't think they know him personally yet. Yet. So my question for us is, do we know Jesus? Do we know the Prince of Peace? And if we don't, today's the day. We just say yes to him. You know, the Bible says that no one comes to him unless God has already done the work beforehand and in the present that draws us to himself. The fact that you're even watching at home, the fact that you've even stepped into a building means God is doing a work in you, that he's drawing you to himself. And so it's just a matter of saying, yes, I will follow. And for those of us that know him already, that are his already, we will be peacemakers. We will be out there doing what he's called us to do, like father, like sons and daughters. We will have his heart for people. We will want people to know him. This is a good barometer for us. Church, I'm going to get honest, a real honest moment here. This is a good barometer for us. Do we want people to know Jesus? We should. I mean, the fact that he's opened our eyes, that we know him, for a lot of us in the American church, that's where it stops. Once I step into the kingdom, I'm saved. I'm good. That's all I need. Now it's all about me. I was picking up a prescription yesterday at Costco. And I know the guy that uh, does my, our prescriptions. The guy, who does, his name is Jolly. Hope he's not watching right now. But if you are, <laughs> say yes to Jesus, man. He knows Jesus. And he made some comment. He's just really funny about me being rich and, rich and famous. And I said, well, you got that wrong, because I'm not famous, and I'm definitely not rich. And he said, well, I said, and I said some comment like, what you need is you just need to know Jesus, and then you'll be as rich as you need to be. And he was like, yes, that's so true. And then we talked a little bit, and then right before we left, he said, pray for me that I win the lottery. But isn't that so much so that we, that's kind of what we do as believers. Now that we're saved, now that we're in the kingdom of God, now it's just, it's like Disneyland for us. It's just about us. And what it should be, yes, we have won the lottery, the kingdom lottery. We are in, we know the God of the creation, that he loves us and cares. Well, let's make it really personal, that he loves me, that he cares for me that he actually has plans for me. That in the midst of the storms that will come in this life, because Jesus said they will come, that I will be with you. I will never turn my back on you. I will never walk away from you. But Jesus never promised that there won't be storms. But what he said is, I will be with you in them. And we know that once in a while, he sets up in the boat and says, be still. And it's just like, I've experienced that, but I've also experienced he sets up in the boat and sits next to me and says, hold on, just hold on. I'm not going anywhere, but it might be rough, but I'm with you. You guys know our stories. It can be rough, 
but he is with us. And what we have to do as a next step is not just be happy that we're in the kingdom. Now we say, God, what do you want me to do? And he makes it really clear and really obvious. He wants us to walk with him personally, but he wants to invite as many people to come and walk with him as well. He wants heaven full. Jesus said parables, and probably one of my favorite ones is when the master sends out all the invitations, and everybody that gets the invitation basically says, no, I'm good. I already have a nice house. I have everything I need. I have food in my pantry. And so the master says, well, I want you to go out into the streets. Invite those who have never been invited, ever. Invite those who would, when, when people would go out and want to throw a party, and they would look at these people, and they would say, I don't want these people to come to my party. What Jesus says, invite those people to come. And as believers in Christ, we need to change the prescription of our glasses our spiritual glasses that we wear. And we need to put on the glasses that Jesus wore. Well, Jesus didn't wear glasses. But he had eyes to see. And when he looked at people, what did he see? I believe that when Jesus looked at people, he saw them in their wholeness. When Jesus looked at people, he had compassion for them. Not judgment. Not a list. As soon as they walk in, hey, do these things and get yourself cleaned up, then I'll tell you more about Jesus. He welcomed them. He welcomed their brokenness. Then he would heal it. Some instantly, I believe, but I also believe sometimes some of that, the deep brokenness that we have, sometimes that takes time. Not because he doesn't have the power to do it, but because it's us that has to walk through that with him. But I believe that he will heal that brokenness. The deepest, deepest stuff that are, is down deep in our hearts. So what do we see when we look at people? Yeah. I don't consider myself a preacher. So when I'm talking up here, I'm not just talking to you. I have really been talking to myself all week long. What do I see when I look at people? So quick for me to judge. So quick for me to write off. We need to change the way we look at people. And we need to be peacemakers between our Heavenly Father and the ones that He's created and made in His image. It is a spiritual battle that we are in. We do not fight against flesh and blood. But there's principalities and powers out there, and I... That's a whole other sermon. We'll let Pastor Jan preach that one. There's principalities. That's Pastor Jan over here. There's all kinds of things going on that we cannot even see, that we can't even imagine. But we don't fight with one another. We battle spiritually on behalf of those who don't know him yet. We step into the conflict, not just to fight to fight, but to battle for their eternity. So people would know Jesus. That's what it really comes down to. I mean, the Bible says that it's not God's will for anyone to die without him in 2 Peter, that he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us, that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. 
and that Jesus did not come into this world to condemn us, but Jesus came into this world to save us. And in fact, before Jesus was even born, the promise to his dad, Joseph, was you are to name him Jesus because that name means he will save his people from their sin. And we do have an enemy. For those of you that don't know, it is a spiritual battle. We do have an enemy. And that enemy, the Bible says, blinds the eyes or blinds the minds of the unbelievers in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. John 10.10, 10, it says, the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes, we do have an enemy. But in those same passages, 2 Corinthians 4, God says, let light shine out of darkness. And in John 10, where it says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life, an abundant life in him. I mean, the enemy would want us to think that it's only bad news. The enemy does come to cause bondage, brokenness, and pain, but Jesus came. And when it was his turn to read the scroll out of Isaiah, this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes, we have an enemy, but we have a Savior who triumphs over the enemy. The enemy is nothing compared to our God. But a lot of times what we see, because we can only see so, with so much, we only see the enemy. And I'm just going to say, let's take our focus off this stuff here and let's look up. Because our God proclaims good news. Our God is the giver of freedom. Our God helps us to see and sets us free. That's who our God is. We are true peacemakers as the body of Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I have a homework assignment for you this week. I was going to do it right now, but I can feel, you know when you feel something? I can feel the Sunday school teacher's teeth grinding right now. They're like, PK, you're going way too long again. So here's your homework assignment this week. I want you to read 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. We were going to read it, read it this week. This whole passage is Paul telling us, as believers in Christ, we are called and given the ministry of reconciliation. Eternal, eternal relationship with God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. So read this passage this week. Study it. Think about it. And then ask honest questions. God, am I doing this? And if I'm not doing it, how do I do it? Okay, let's stand. Let's stand together. Our prayer here at Renton Christian Center is that you know Jesus. That you know his peace. I had a conversation with a young man uh, from Teen Challenge. He'd been, there, been at Teen Challenge for only a week. And we were out raking gravel, and I asked him, so how would you like being in the house? Teen Challenge is a recovery program. Most of these guys come either right off the street or right out of jail, and they sign a one-year commitment that I want to be 
at Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge, for a year. And it's a 24-7 immersion into the kingdom of God. It's all about Jesus. So I asked him, how do you like being in the house? He goes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. It's hard, but I'm liking it. And what I've experienced is I've experienced peace. That's what he told me. I've experienced peace, and I don't know if I've ever experienced that in my life. Been in jail several times, been estranged from his family, has, has taken advantage of his family because of his addictions. And I just immediately felt the Lord say, ask him this question. Well, do you know Jesus? He goes, well, I, I don't know. I said, because the peace that you're experiencing right now in the house is Jesus. It's his presence. And you can know peace, but you might not know Jesus because you feel and experience this peace. And don't stop at the feeling of peace. Pursue Jesus. Now he's been in the program for like four or five months. This guy is on fire. He was actually baptized on Easter right here in this church. Antonio, he's on fire for Jesus. Because he didn't stop with, oh, I like this feeling of peace. But he pushed past that and said, I want to know where this peace comes from. And the peace that he's experiencing, the peace that we can experience, only comes from Jesus. And so, where is your heart with peace right now? Have you stopped with that peace? I want to say just press through and discover the one who gives and provides that peace. And then for us as believers already, we're peacemakers. I pray that we would have hearts that would look at people differently now. From May 14th on until we go to heaven, that we would see people different, that we would see people like Jesus sees people, that we would have compassion on them, that we would walk with them. I'm telling you, as things get dark, church, there are going to be people that walk through the door that we're not going to agree with who they vote for or what they put in their bodies or how they dress or what they look like. We have to care for their souls, look past the stuff that we see on the outside and look at the ones who've been created in his image. And so, God, I pray this morning that we would see people like you see us with compassion, with care, and that how you comfort us, we would be able to turn and we would be able to care and comfort others and introduce them to you, Jesus, the one who will bring peace, who will bring hope, who will do all the things that only you can do, Jesus. And for anyone who's thinking about 
following you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would stop waiting and today they would simply acknowledge you. Acknowledge where they are in this world, the struggles that they have, and realize that you have come for that. That's why you came, to save them. That they would acknowledge you and that they would fully surrender to you, Jesus knowing that your plan is way better, higher, deeper, wider than what they could even plan for themselves. God, we thank you for women in our lives who have chosen to love and care, to lead, to plan, to do all the things that was mentioned and the million more. We pray for blessings on them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings to you. We'll be doing the last beatitude next week. Blessed are the persecuted. And um, hold on to your seats on that one, okay? It's going to be great. Um, Our amazing front office manager, whatever her title is, she does everything, um, has created a few things for moms, uh, for women. And so please take one. Women, please take one today as you leave, okay? Guys, your turn is next month.